Friends, welcome to Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. Word on Fire is an apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization, using media both old and new to share the faith on every continent and to facilitate an encounter with Christ and His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. Today we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each of us. Peace be with you, and we enter now, friends, into this holy season of Lent. You know, these past several weeks, I've been rereading Fulton Sheen's great masterpiece, I think his best book, called The Life of Christ, and I'm, I'm doing it as my spiritual reading while I do my office. And the book is, is you know, it's remarkable in any number of ways, but what's most struck me upon revisiting it is the stress that Sheen consistently and insistently places on the sacrifice of the cross. That was the one thing that Jesus was about. He came to do and speak many things, of course, but the primary thing he came to do was to die, to give his life for the salvation of the world. Again and again, Sheen will say that though he taught much, Jesus was not primarily a teacher. Though he did miraculous things, he was not primarily a wonder worker. He was, first and foremost, what John the Baptist said, the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. It's the master idea, the organizing idea around which everything else revolves. Well, Fulton Sheen brings this idea to bear in a famous chapter called Three Shortcuts from the Cross. And I, I want to focus on it because this is our gospel for this opening Sunday of Lent. The famous story of the temptations of Jesus by the devil. What Fulton Sheen does is he moves, as it were, into the psychology of Jesus and considers how the devil was working on him to lure him away from his central mission. Okay? So, the first insinuation of the dark power. If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become loaves of bread. Many commentators point out, and Sheen follows them, that the small stones on the desert floor in that part of the Holy Land do indeed resemble little loaves of bread. And I can confirm this. When I was there in that desert region, not too far from Jerusalem, you do see to this day these these little stones scattered on the ground, and they look like loaves of, of dark bread. So undoubtedly, Jesus was physically hungry at the end of his 40-day fast, and the devil is naturally tempting him in that direction. But see, the deeper issue is, what kind of Messiah will he be? If he's the Son of God, and that's the, the devil's insinuation, if you are the Son of God, you're imbued with divine power, why won't you be a Messiah who provides bread for his hungry people? I mean, why wouldn't you focus on the immediate physical needs of yourself and of those who suffer? You know, and many, many times we, in, in moments of, of our goodwill, are, are drawn in this direction. Like, why doesn't God just solve these problems? Why doesn't God just feed his hungry people? 
and now press it. And by extension, Jesus, if, if you become a Messiah who provides for physical needs, why wouldn't your church become a social working church? Now, now, don't get me wrong. Jesus, in the course of his public ministry, will indeed feed hungry crowds. Think of the, the miracle recounted in all four Gospels of the multiplication of the loaves and fishes. He was indeed concerned with the physical needs of his people. And, and I'll press it, the church that is his mystical body is, by the t- same token, concerned with these very things. Think of the work of Catholic Charities, many other Catholic institutions around the world. We do care very much for the physical needs of people. But, but, this was not his primary focus. And it's not the primary focus of his church. How come? Because unless the problem of sin is dealt with, no amount of physical well-being will bring us salvation. Moreover, unless the problem of sin is dealt with, the very conditions that make possible the exploitation of the poor will remain in place. And so Jesus says to the tempter, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Listen, being fed by the divine word is more important than being fed with physical bread. And again, nothing in the world wrong with meeting people's physical needs. But the temptation here is to become a Messiah slash social worker. The temptation is the church becoming a social worker church. And not first and foremost, a Messiah who dies so that sin might be dealt with. A church that feeds not so much primarily physical bread, but feeds people with the word of God. Okay, still following Fulton Sheen here. The next temptation is more subtle. Taking Jesus to the parapet of the temple, the devil says to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels and with their hands they will support you, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You know, one thing always strikes me, it struck Fulton Sheen too, is the devil is a very good quote or scripture. I mean, so watch it when people simply throw out a scripture quote to you, because the devil can do exactly that. That's never enough to make a point in the religious context, just a, a scriptural citation out of context. The devil does that too. Okay, but what's he saying? Well, keep in mind that the temple was the very center of Israelite life. It represented the focal point of of politics, of culture, and of course, religion. To be at the parapet of the temple, therefore, was to be at the very top of society. It was to be in everyone's mind. It was to be admired by all. As I record these words, I'm not too far from um, the Academy Awards uh, broadcast, you know, so think of the, all of the glitterati at the Academy Awards, all these people kind of at the top of our social order, you know. To be at the top of the temple, think now, culture, politics, religion, all coming together, and to be up there at the top was to be at the tip-top of the whole society. Now, press it even further. 
to perform a miracle from that place, to throw yourself down and then God will come and, and hold you up, to perform a miracle from that place would make one the most astonishing, glamorous figure of all time. You know, I mean, you would trump uh, Julius Caesar. I mean, you'd go beyond Genghis Khan. You'd go beyond Aristotle. I mean, you'd be the most famous, glamorous figure of all time. Knowing who he was, the very son of God, Jesus must have felt in the depth of his humanity. So remember, in his humanity, Jesus experiences temptation. He must have felt in the depth of his humanity a temptation a tug in the direction of self-promotion to fame on worldly terms. He could perform miracles from morning to night. He could beguile the crowds into submission. Now again, don't get me wrong. Jesus, in the course of his public life, will in fact perform wonders. He will, in fact, travel far and wide in the Holy Land, making himself known. He wasn't exactly a shrinking violet. I mean, Jesus was a very public figure. And, press it, his church, his mystical body, does indeed have the charge to declare his name to the ends of the earth. But see, here's the trick. Here's the hinge. But this fame is not worldly prestige. How, in fact, was he displayed? at the climactic moment of his life. And again, not in the parapet of the temple, but not far from the temple. How was he displayed? He was displayed as a crucified criminal. Not someone performing a, a great trick, someone, someone showing off for the crowds, not a glamorous uh, member of the glitterati, but as a crucified criminal. And by what sign does his church consistently announce him indeed to the ends of the world, not by some worldly sign, but precisely by the sign of his cross? His fame, everybody, would be the prestige that comes from the sacrifice of the cross. See, here's the point. What good would fame or prestige do if it were tainted by sin? And so Jesus' primary role not to be a glamorous figure, but to be the suffering savior. Okay? The final temptation is subtler still. Listen. And the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their magnificence. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will prostrate yourself and worship me. Fulton Sheen says the third shortcut from the cross was the temptation to political messiahship. Again, knowing who he was, Jesus must have felt in the depth of his humanity a tug to become a worldly king. I mean, look, if only God's son would seize the levers of power, all would be well, right? He must have felt that. I'll become a king like David. I'll become an imperial leader. And mind you, Jesus will indeed become a king, declared so by Pontius Pilate, but not in the worldly way. Not someone who will simply pull the levers of power in the ordinary sense. And, and his church will indeed seek to have influence in the political arena. 
But see, notice something here, everybody. Notice. Who controls the kingdoms of the world, as I'm describing it now? Well, it is the devil who controls them, which is why he says, I will give them all to you. See, to seize power without dealing with sin wouldn't do a lick of good. To, to grab the levers of power without, without addressing the underlying problem of sin would, in fact, produce more anguish and more injustice and more suffering. And we can see that up and down the ages. Think of every dictator from, from Caesar to Stalin, right? And so Jesus resists this temptation to become a worldly king. He would not be primarily a social reformer. He would not be primarily a wonder worker. He would not be primarily a political operator. Those are three shortcuts from the cross. Rather, he would be the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. See, friends, knowing who he is and what he's about is indispensable as we commence the Lenten season. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.